The reason I call these soapbox sessions is because back in the day, or maybe even present day, people who really had something very important to say would stand upon a soapbox of sorts, meaning a box, a large crate, or something that would elevate them above the crowd so that their voice could be heard with or without a megaphone because they had something of importance to say. So thank you for listening to another soapbox session. So I wanted to jump on (laughs) for this particular soapbox today to talk a little bit about, I guess, being a, I wanted to talk a little bit about what it means to be a reformed people pleaser (laughs) and a reformed serial monogamous or a reformed relationship simp. You know what I mean? For the majority of my life, as long back, as long as I can remember, back to as young as, you know, a teenager, I've always had a somebody, always had a boyfriend. And then when I started, you know, dating women in college, always had a girlfriend, you know, was married and then always had a girlfriend, always had a somebody. Rarely for any extensive period of time in my adult life can I recall being truly, truly single. And it wasn't until recently within the last year that I had a specific period of time that lasted for several months that I was deliberately not dating, seeing anybody, sleeping with anybody, talking to anybody, nothing. And any little blips of time that happened during this eight month period that somebody would try to pop onto my radar, I would be like, eh, eh, you know, maybe give it a breath of attention and then quickly, you know, shoo them away. And that was happening for two reasons. Reason number one was because I was getting over the loss of a relationship with someone that I had been in a situation ship slash friendship, you know, like where you are dating somebody, but you're not really together, but somehow they live with you and you sleep together, but you're not really together. And then that doesn't really work. And so they become your best friend, but then you're not really friends. Just a whole lot of fuckery that lasted for several years. And when I say several, I mean like eight years. (laughs) of my life is how long that that situation went on and then in the midst of that I had been you know involved with someone who lived far away and did the long distance thing and it lasted for like a hot second but was a full-on clusterfuck of emotional garbage and after all that I was like I ain't dating nobody I'm just gonna be by myself And the other added fact about that experience was that during all of this, amidst all of this, I lost my place. The home that I'd lived in for six years was no longer mine. And I had to pack up all my shit and put it in storage and start the couch surfing journey of what I, you know, affectionately called the nomadic period of my life. And... A big reason why I called it the nomadic period was calling it the homeless period was just like a little too much for me to swallow at the time. 
And so I was like, well, it's really not cute to be single and homeless. Like, so I need to just focus 155,000% of all of my energy that is available on getting myself set up. I don't have time to date. I don't have the energy. And then I also started to use that time to really ask myself why I had spent so much of my life dating and in relationships like why did I you know always have a somebody and it a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was a people pleaser and I didn't want to hurt people's feelings and when somebody was interested in me even if I wasn't really interested in them unless I was just like straight up not at all interested but if there was like a breath of interest in them I would you know date them and then I would parlay dating into a relationship or a situationship and try to make it work and putting all kind of energy and effort and just even though all the while deep down I knew it wasn't the right person for me or I knew that I was sacrificing my needs or parts of who I am in order to appease the relationship like the relationship became like the center point of my world being in a relationship became one of the most important things in my life you know even more important than like a lot of other things like acquiring wealth or taking care of my body being in a relationship became the most important thing and for a while I couldn't really understand why in addition to being a people pleaser why being in a relationship I would say even in the last 12 years was so important to me and then I had to sit with that and I realized a big part of it was because I you know got married and divorced very young had a child youngish and my ex-husband remarried about a you know a couple years after we got divorced and so there was a part of me that felt like I needed to create a relationship on my side quote-unquote that mirrored sort of even you know the remotely the dynamic of his relationship so that my son would have this like mirror experience of mom's house and dad's house like mom's got a person dad's got a person in my mind that's what I was trying to create it's very subconsciously that this was happening I wasn't like consciously thinking about this but when I went back and reflected on it this is what I came up with so that contributed to you know me trying to find the right one and the result of that was me dating people that were not the right one you know what I mean dating people that were not interested in children or if they were their parenting style had yet to be discovered because they were not parents or people who wanted to be my parent or people who just just not the right people and so the result was me having several different relationships that kind of came through my world and my son's world and the result was like okay we got to put ourselves back together every time somebody comes through so again last year taking all these things into consideration I was like I'm not dating maybe anymore maybe I'm just gonna have an eat pray love journey and maybe the love will happen and maybe it won't but what I'm not gonna do is make a relationship a priority anymore 
And the reason that it was so important at that time was because having a lot of my material possessions, including my home, essentially taken, you know, from me or removed from my life, it put me in a place where I had nobody to be with but myself. And yeah, I could have, you know, dipped into my pocket and parlayed a somebody, you know what I mean? And I didn't want to do that because I wanted to see what it felt like to just be with myself, see what it felt like to reject other people, even when they made their passes, because several did and several are salty because I turned them down, but deal with it too bad. Don't get your feelings hurt. I wasn't interested. (laughs) Uh, And what I discovered was I actually prefer to be alone. And it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy relationships that I don't enjoy connection. I, you know, I enjoy the current partner that I, you know, have right now that um, happens to be somebody that didn't drop out of nowhere, that I didn't parlay out of dust, but somebody that I've actually been really, you know, good friends with for several years. And as a result of a really great friendship, exploring a romantic relationship was something that I had never considered, but something in me at the end of last year was like, you know what, let me just why not just see we're feeling something here, something different is happening. Let's explore it. So anyway, even in that though, you know, to keep a 100, even in that relationship that I'm currently in, I still feel this urge for freedom, (laughs) this urge for independence. Like I was using this app the other day called the pattern I've shared it with like so many people. They should really pay me for it. There's this app and, you know, you enter information about your, you know, your date and time of birth and they, you know, spit out results, kind of like a birth chart reading, except they don't go super deep into astrology. They don't go into astrology at all, actually. I looked at the information that I got from this app and it's so fucking accurate. The first thing that it says to describe my personality is right now or the pattern I'm experiencing right now is independent and restless and that shit is spot on because my god independent and restless I've been independent my whole life you know first born first one to leave home first one to do everything that's been done for the most part first one to have a kid first one to get married for you know just out in the world and then also just very independent able to move in and out of different circles of friends able to mesh with lots of different kinds of people, not shy, pretty bold personality, pretty, you know, outspoken, articulate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So independence is, is very important to me. And I didn't even realize how much of my independence I was actually sacrificing during a lot of the relationships that I was in, because in my efforts to try to find companionship, I was actually sacrificing independence in order to satisfy companionship, which is just bonkers, you know, it makes absolutely no sense. However, that's what I was doing. So fast forward to present day, staying in the present experience that I'm having right now is me asking myself, is it possible to be in a relationship and also maintain a sense of independence? 
for example, my partner right now is the quote unquote breadwinner, if you want to call it that. We are currently living together and have been living together for about seven or eight months. During this time, I have been really struggling with the idea that my independence is being kind of held at bay because I'm living under someone else's roof. And keep in mind, again, the foundations of this relationship are rooted in friendship. And when I was struggling last year in, you know, not having a place to live, this person offered, you know, had her door open and was like, hey, you know, if you need a spot, you can come here as long or as little as you like, you know, no regrets, no sweat, the door's open. And I was like, no, 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 it's cool. You live on the other side of the country. It's cold there. No, thank you. But I appreciate it. You know, I'll be all right. I'll figure something out, figure something out. And then we connected in a different way. And then the offer was still on the table. And at that point it was like, oh, well now we're, you know, we got a little something else going on. So maybe now we could live under the same roof and we'll see what happens. And like I said, being a reformed people pleaser, being a reformed, I said relationship simp, which what I mean by that is a person who just like does whatever they need to do to make a relationship work, even if it's to the detriment of their own needs. And in my case, the need is independence. The need is freedom. In my current relationship, my partner invited me to move into her space and I conceded. I accepted her invitation. How even though my better judgment, my higher self, my my deeper self was like, don't do that. Don't do that. You you don't really want to live with anybody. That's not what you really want right now. This relationship is still new. Why are you doing that? But I did it anyway. And it's been a couple months and I'm feeling the I'm feeling the burn. You know what I mean? I'm feeling the burn of that. The burn of it is I didn't really want to move in with anybody. I didn't want to do the whole the way the universe is set up is it literally will match, align, create the space for, deliver, whatever it is that you desire in your heart or the intentions of your mind. That is the way the universe is set up. The universe is set up to literally conspire in your favor. So while you might think that the universe, source, energy, whatever you call it, has forgotten about the desires of your heart or the intentions of your mind and will just ignore the fact that you asked for or you intended or you made agreements for certain things to happen in your life. It doesn't. So for instance, if you've set the intention to remain single for a specific period of time, or if you've set the intention to move at a different pace in your, in your relationships, maybe it's a slower pace, maybe it's a taking your time, maybe it's a really, really giving yourself a chance to really date somebody or go through a courting experience with somebody or a vetting experience with somebody before moving into a full-on 
we're together, we're pseudo married, we're living together, we're playing house, yada, yada, yada. And you still haven't figured out this motherfucker don't even like believe in God. And maybe spirituality is really important to you. Or this person might have a really unhealthy obsession with like serial killers. And you're like, I'm pretty sure that yoga is the thing that I would be most quote unquote obsessed with if I was obsessed with anything or possibly really great fantasy television. But if the person that you are, you know, in a relationship with is somebody that you discover is not necessarily fully aligned with you and you've already gotten in so deep that the idea of getting out of it feels like oh nerve-wracking or you know you're feeling hesitation about it the universe is like yeah that girl that's because remember you had said before that you really wanted to focus on yourself and remember you said before that you wanted to take your time and you didn't want to move quickly and remember how you said before that you didn't want to live with anybody before you knew for sure that this was the person that you we're intending on marrying and I don't mean intending like dreaming I mean intending like we are in the direction we are moving towards marriage we are engaged some official proposal has been made some official you know agreement has been made the exchange of jewel has been presented something not like oh yeah I'm gonna marry this person because just saying you're gonna marry somebody and being intended on marrying them are not the same thing so for me everything I just said those are the agreements I made with the universe where I was like, I'm not living with anybody. I'm not dating anybody. Seriously. I'm going to move super slow. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to, you know, really go through the courting experience. I'm going to really get to know the next person I'm in a relationship with and look at where a motherfucker landed. And in my own defense, (laughs) because I got to defend myself, right? In my own defense, the person I'm in a relationship, I do know very well. And I have, you know, quote unquote, vetted them through friendship in a long time. However, I must say this, just because you know somebody as the homie does not mean that you know how they function in a romantic relationship because boy, I tell you, it is a whole different ball game because the reality is, you know, the homie is a homie. Even if you guys are super, super close and you kick it all the time and you know them like the back of your hand, there's still parts of them that you don't know, especially if you've never lived together. So this particular person that I'm dating currently, we've known for a long time, but we weren't super close. You know, we've known each other similar social circles have spent time together one-on-one had you know similar interests but weren't like the homie like my ace boon coon it was never like that and with 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 that in the time that we've been dating obviously the time we've been you know together I've gotten to know them a lot deeper and living under the same roof. I've gotten to know them a lot more and learning about their habits and their idiosyncrasies and their OCD needs and all that shit, learning all that. And they're learning all of mine and all up in there is me coming back to myself, coming back to me saying, what do you really want? (laughs) Keyshawn, what do you really want? What do you want your relationship to really look like? Are you, are you people pleasing right now? Are you, are you doing and saying things because you think it's going to make the other person feel good only 
make the other person feel good, even if it's to the detriment of your own good feelings, even if you don't even really mean, like, even if you don't feel, even if you don't really want the things that they want, are you just kind of going along with it because they want it? Or is it really serving your highest and greatest good? And I think that sometimes when people are in relationships, they've picked up this rule book, I don't know where from, that says relationships are about sacrifice. No, they're not. Relationships are not require sacrifice. I believe that relationships require compromise. There is a huge difference between sacrifice and compromise. Sa- Fuck, parking. Sacrifice and compromise are not the same thing. Sacrifice and compromise are vastly different, in fact. Sacrifice and compromise are the difference between saying, hey, I really, really would like for this to happen, but if it doesn't, not a big deal. I ain't really tripping. It would be cool if this happened, but if it doesn't, that's okay too. Compromise, that's compromise. Sacrifice is something entirely different. Time for a break, time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. So I set the intention to, you know, not put myself in a position where I was going to end up living with someone before I was really ready to live with someone. And meaning ready as in the relationship had reached a point where the natural next step is marriage. And relationships reach that point at different times for different people in the lesbian tradition (laughs) and I have to laugh because it sadly is the stereotype but also apparently is a bit of a tradition in the lesbian tradition there is something called the (laughs) u-hauling which is basically what it means in lesbian culture is the concept that in a very short period of time sometimes in as little as a month of dating that lesbians will choose to take their relationship to the next level and cohabitate one person moves into the other person's space is typically how it happens in rare cases do lesbians actually live separate and apart until the time that they are married in rare occasions do lesbians live separate and apart until the two of them decide to acquire a home together and then like leave their individual homes to create one one unified home typically what happens is the moving in together of lesbians is typically out of need not to say that there are not times when it happens the other ways because i truly believe that there is and obviously i do not know every lesbian on the planet in my experience though the cohabitation portion of a relationship typically happens when there is a need one person needs to save money 
who doesn't want to save money? One person needs a place to stay. Maybe their previous place of, of dwelling is no longer inhabitable, or maybe they no longer have a place of dwelling. Out of need, one person moves to another part of the country or another part of the world in order to be with a, you know their partner instead of being in a long-distance relationship. Need, 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 need. And of course, there's need, but it's wrapped up in romance, so it kind of feels like it's romantic, but it's really not romantic. It's actually really need-based. And guess what? When the romance wrapping comes off, then you're reminded of the need that brought you there, and you're wondering if you really needed it. So... (laughs) What's happened for me is I've found myself in relationships where I am cohabitating with someone that I otherwise just do not, I am not compatible with as a cohabitation partner. Idiosyncrasies, you know, OCDs, whatever you want to call them, these things are real. And the truth is the, the older that we get, the more time that we spend you know, living alone, creating a home alone, the more difficult it can be to be able to mesh your home with another whole human, you know, another whole person. You recognize that maybe this person likes to likes to keep a dark home. Maybe they don't like light. Maybe they're a vampire. Who knows? And if you're a person who enjoys light, loves natural light, thrives off of natural light, maybe you're the kind of person who likes to wake up in the morning with ease and, you know, take your time to introduce yourself into your day, maybe with meditation or soft music and sipping on a cup of tea and journaling and kind of arriving in your day. And Maybe the person that you're living with is like, hit the snooze button 15 times, stumble out of bed and pouring a cup of coffee and angrily watching the news and cursing at the television as they get ready and, you know, totally different vibe, right? The challenge is if you, like myself, are a reformed people pleaser, then there's a part of me that wants to allow you know my partner to be able to do what they do even if it is totally the opposite of what I would do however because I am no longer in people pleasing mode I'm standing my ground and standing your ground can sometimes rub people the wrong way the truth is so fucking what (laughs) Uh, people gonna get rubbed the wrong way because being a people pleaser while it might seem like you're like a really awesome person because you're putting everybody else's feelings before your own and you're making sure everybody else is okay and you're making sure that everyone else's needs are being met and everyone else is good however while doing all of that nine times out of ten a people pleaser is not taking care of pleasing themselves first. They're not making sure that their needs are being met. They're not tending to their own garden, so to speak, but they're making sure everybody else's garden is on point. A people pleaser, truth be told, is actually very self-serving because part of the reason why they are pleasing others is so that others will be pleased with them. I'll say that again. Part of the reason why a people pleaser is pleasing is because they want others to be pleased with them, which ultimately is self-serving. It's not even really about taking care of the other people necessarily. That might feed a part of you that's naturally a nurturer and wants to care for others. But the overarching theme that's happening there is 
a people pleaser is seeking love and acceptance like we all are. Everybody that is human is seeking love and acceptance. And I have to verify human. I mean, pets, obviously, we're not talking about animals right now. I'm talking about people. Everybody that is human is seeking love and acceptance. Why? Because part of the way that we relate to each other on this planet and this human experience is through connection. And part of connection is love and acceptance. So we're all seeking love and acceptance. One way that some people seek love and acceptance is through people pleasing. And people pleasing shows up where? In relationships. It shows up particularly in romantic relationships and in family as well. But in this case, this conversation, this soapbox, this vein, is in romantic relationships and what I've started to notice is as a reformed people pleaser kind of like for instance if somebody was ever really you know attached to I don't know crack we'll just throw it out there if somebody was addicted to crack they know where to find the crack they know where to find it they know who where where to look for it they can tell by looking at certain urban uh, indicators as to where to go for it they know how to find it they know what it's like they're able to identify it. They're able to identify the habits and behaviors of somebody who might be struggling with addiction. Okay. That's total extreme analogy. I do that sometimes. So when it comes to being a people pleaser, if you're a reformed, you know, people pleaser, if you're a former people pleaser, you are able to identify the behaviors and habits of somebody who is still in that mind state, who is still operating from that programming of pleasing others for the purpose of of acquiring love and acceptance. So in my experience, I recognize people pleasing. I recognize people pleasing in my current partner, which is really fun universe. Ha ha ha, you're funny. So my current partner is a people pleaser. And while they really do come from a place, again, people pleasing typically comes from a place of, of purity. It comes from a place of, I really do care about other people. I really want to make sure other people are okay. And it's like, yeah, but not if it's to the detriment of your own okayness. So my partner's a people pleaser. And as a result, they accommodate, you know, they, they want to make sure everybody else is okay. They want to make sure that all my needs are being met. They want to make sure that I'm being fed. They want to make sure that I'm being taken care of. They want to make sure that I'm getting to this and that and yada, yada, yada. And while all that is good and dandy, it's fantastic. At a certain point, I feel uncomfortable receiving so much accommodation because I know that sometimes it's not being offered from a place of fullness. And one of my you know, coaches and inspirations uh, someone that I look up to is Lisa Nichols. And she always uses this example of if you as a person are a cup, like a cup and saucer, and you want to share yourself or what's in your cup with others, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Your cup, yourself, you have to be full and overflowing before you can share with others. So oftentimes a people pleaser, a person who is overly accommodating is pouring from an empty cup. They're giving you like the little grimy shit at the bottom of the cup. Like, you know, like when the tea settles, the coffee settles and it's just like, eh, don't nobody really want that. Or what's at the bottom of a bottle. If you're drinking out of a bottle, I call it the extra. Anybody drinking that? It's just like basically saliva that's just gone back into the bottle. Um, they're giving you that. And truthfully told, I don't want that. They don't even really want it for themselves. That's why they give it to you. But the difference between a person 
who is giving from a place of fullness is that if they're giving from a place of fullness, they're giving from overflow. So back to that cup and saucer, if you're pouring, we'll use tea as an example. If you're pouring tea into a cup, once you've reached the brim of the cup, that's it. And if you keep pouring, what's going to happen? It's going to overflow. Guess what? If there's overflow, instead of throwing it away, you could tip that saucer and pour it into someone else's cup. Now you've shared some of yourself, some of your tea, some of your goodness, some of your your wholeness, some of your completeness, some of your joy, some of your sunshine, some of your blessings, some of your wisdom, some of your power, some of your creativity, some of your whatever is good. You've now poured from your fullness, from your overflow. And the way that that is received is so much different than when someone is pouring from an empty cup. Because what happens is that when you're pouring from an empty cup, it's like playing tea party. Like when you're a little girl or boy and you had a tea party or a little tea set when you're a kid and you like pretend that you're drinking tea and you pretend that you're pouring. So you can kind of get the the vibe, but you're not really experiencing the actual tea because there ain't no tea in the pot, ain't no tea in the cup. So just like in present day in real life, If a people pleaser is pouring from an empty cup, you might get like the vibe of what they want, you know, to share with you, but you're not getting the full Monty, the fullness of it because they ain't got nothing to give. There's nothing there for them to offer. They might want to offer, they might intend to offer, but they haven't filled themselves up yet in order to have a place to offer from. They haven't filled themselves up enough to have that overflow, to tip that saucer and pour into you. They haven't. And so when I think of people-pleasing and relationship simp, (laughs) that's what I called myself at one time, I see certain aspects and certain behaviors. I recognize them and my partner. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump motherfucking brakes. Because we have a foundation of friendship and because I feel safe and comfortable and free to express myself, I'm able to sit them down and say, look, so look, basically, um, I really appreciate all that you're doing for me. It's lovely. I know that it comes from a beautiful and pure place. I am so happy for it and I thank you sincerely. And I know you're pouring from an empty cup. So I would rather you stop pouring into me and pour into yourself instead. Because the cool thing is, it's so much more exciting to be a compassionate witness of someone that you care for deeply as they are pouring into themselves. It's so beautiful to sit back and watch someone that you love taking care of themselves first. It's amazing. It's not selfish. It's not self-centered. It's none of that bullshit. It's so wonderful. But very rarely when we're in relationships, do we create the space to be able to have open, honest, authentic, sincere, loving dialogue 
with our significant others, partners, girlfriends, husbands, wives, spouses, boo things, whatever you bay, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you call them. It's so important to be able to have open, honest, authentic dialogue coming from a loving and sincere place. And sometimes that means being able to give your partner feedback, especially if you recognize habits and behaviors that you yourself used to do. Because if anybody knows them, it's you. Because you used to live that, you used to walk in those shoes, you used to be that person. And when you've lived enough life and you've made the commitment to self-awareness, then you're going to recognize your old behaviors or your old habits. You're going to see them in other people like that, like that. You're going to see them quick. And if it's somebody that you love and care about, which I hope if you're in a relationship with them, if you're in a romantic relationship with them, if you're in a cohabitating romantic relationship with them, if you're in a marital relationship with them, I hope that you want that person to be their most amazing self, that you want them to operate in their highest and greatest good, that you want them to be able to self-correct, course correct, receive and offer feedback, be all they can be. You want that for them because you love and care about them. And hopefully they love and care about you. And sometimes in relationships, it ain't all happy, happy, joy, joy. It's just not. Sometimes in relationships, it's not the honeymoon phase all the goddamn time. It's just not. And truth be told, that's a whole nother soapbox I can get into another time. But I'm going to come back and talk about the the fantasy (laughs) that is applied to romantic relationships that some of us are still attached to instead of the reality that actually exists in relationships where the work must be done. I was just talking to my partner about this last night about how important it is when people say relationships are work. They're not just talking about the work of like being faithful and not being an asshole, not being a cheater, not being an abuser. Those are basic fucking things that nobody should be doing anyway. When people talk about the work of relationships, they're talking about the internal individual work that both people or however many people are in the relationship are doing on themselves. Because the truth is, if you're doing the internal work on yourself, it's going to what overflow into where the fucking relationship. That's what's going to happen. If you're doing the work on yourself and you're doing the internal work to be your highest and greatest self to be the most expressive expansion, expansive, amazing, effervescent, exciting, empowered, creative version of yourself. If you're doing the work to be that, it's going to overflow into your relationship. There's no place else for it to go because wherever you go, there you are. So in your relationship, guess what? You're there. (laughs) It's the same you that is over there, is over there, over there, over there. It's still you. So If you're doing the internal work and your partner or partners are doing the internal work as well, your relationship is, has no choice but to thrive. Or if you're doing the internal work and they're doing the internal work as well, and they're being led away from you or you're being led away from them, that's also okay because there's no amount of pleasing or people pleasing that you can do that is more powerful than doing the motherfucking work. Because doing the work, and when I say the work, I'm talking about personal development. I'm talking about self-care. I'm talking about self-awareness. I'm talking about 
emotional intelligence. I'm talking about spiritual intelligence. I'm talking about physical health, mental health. All that is the work. And some people are doing it and some people aren't. And some people are working at one pace and some people are working at a different pace. Some people are on the accelerated program and some people are on the elementary program. Ain't nothing wrong. Wherever you are, if you're doing the work, keep doing it. Don't stop. Sometimes what happens is that people get into relationships and they stop their work. Why? Because they partner with somebody who ain't doing no motherfucking work. They partner with somebody who needs work. We all need work, but they're partnering with somebody who needs work and doesn't know they need work. And if you happen to be someone like me, I, if I'm even around you for more than five minutes, I'm going to start working on you, with you. I'm going to start drawing your awareness to the areas that you need work because that's just what I do. It just comes out of me. That's me standing in my light, walking in my purpose. That's just this, this ancestor spirit universe just working through me as me. That's just what it is can't turn it off don't want to turn it off I can dial it back sometimes but when I'm with an intimate partner I'm gonna dial that motherfucker all the way up why because I'm sharing parts of myself with you that don't get shared with other people so I definitely need you to be doing the work so I could talk about this for literally days (laughs) however I got other shit to do today so I'm gonna I'm gonna close this out and I hope that even though I bounced around on a couple of different things that the the theme or the vibe of this particular soapbox is recognizing that people pleasing is self-serving and recognizing that the difference between supporting and showing up for other people from a place of wholeness is not the same thing as people pleasing. Recognizing that being a support system for your partner should never be at the detriment of your own need recognizing that being a former people pleaser or a former relationship simp doesn't mean that you have to remain there also recognizing that it is very important actually imperative that you create the space in your relationships to be able to have open authentic vulnerable courageous sincere and loving dialogue and if you're not having that you you might want to just like take a pause take a breath reevaluate your shit and go in a different direction thanks for listening y'all peace have a choice of hundreds of podcasts and I appreciate you for choosing this one. Please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review this podcast. If you like what you've heard, check out my first book, Because I Said So, Simple Ways to Rewrite Your Story, available on Amazon. Stay connected on social media. Find me at Keyshawn Rains. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to something different and experience something new. Peace and blessings. Namaste.